The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. I'm on now? Perfect. Morning, Refuge Church. Turn to the person next to you and tell them Jesus loves them and you're so happy they're here. All right, I didn't ask you to say more than that, right? (laughs) This morning I saw a lot of new faces and then I realized how much uh, we do not welcome Uh, our guest uh, most of the time. And so if you're new here, if this is your first time coming here, we're so happy uh, that you're worshiping with us. Uh, Glad to have you. And we would love to connect with you in one way or another. And if you have any questions after the service, feel free to come to me. I'm one of the elders, and Daniel or Jake or a few of the elders that are here will be happy uh, to talk to you. And so I'm going to give us a few uh, minutes uh, to quiet your heart and just offer a prayer of confession uh, before I pray for us. And so please take a few minutes to offer a prayer of confession. Jesus, we are weak, but you are strong. Our flesh, most of the time, doesn't allow us to do things that please us and glorify you. And so thank you for your spirit, your spirit that is in us. A spirit that directs us to live a holy and godless life, a life that is glorifying to you. And so we come to you this morning humbly, and asking for your forgiveness. We pray for forgiveness of the things that we have said, the things we have thought of through our actions. Have mercy and forgive us. And thank you that your arms of love is always wide open, always ready for us when we come to you. And so thank you for the forgiveness that you offer us. Thank you for being our Father. Thank you for blessing us with all that we need. Thank you for fellowship, Lord. Thank you for the freedom to gather here this morning, fellowship with brothers and sisters, to pray, to sing, and to open your word and talk about it. We pray for the presence of your Holy Spirit this morning. I pray for those of us who have a heavy burden in their heart, Jesus. I just pray that you'll take their burden and 
you give us your yoke that is easy and light so that we can enjoy being in your presence here this morning. May this be our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last week, uh, we, Daniel started our new series, uh, Life Savings, Where You Should Invest in 2020. And so this morning, I'll be continuing in that series. And our intro so far is, the way you spend your money matters to God. Jesus isn't after your money. He is after your heart and knows that the quickest way to find a person's heart is to follow their spending. In this sermon series, we will learn to invest our lives and resources in what matters the most. Our big question this morning is, what are the things your heart longs for the most? What are the things your heart longs for the most? And the big idea that I'll be unwrapping is the things we pursue and desire the most reveal where our heart is. The things we pursue and desire the most reveal where our heart is. Our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 6, from verse 19 to 21. And so if you have your Bibles with me, you can follow me in Matthew chapter 6, from verse 19 to 21. I read, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and vernon destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moth and vernon do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I I went home in the summer and I shared a little bit about what my experience was like uh, being in Nigeria after many years. And as some of you know, the ongoing violence uh, that has been going on has left millions of people displaced. And so one of the heartbreaking things uh, for me when I was home was just seeing, uh, you know, mostly uh, widows and Offerings just on the street, wandering from town to town because their villages have been ransacked, their husbands have been killed, and they're just wandering to find shelter and food and stuff like that. And it was everywhere when I was home, and it was really heartbreaking. Anyway, a few months back, uh, my mom called me, and she said a group of women and some kids come o- came over to, the, to our house. And, uh, you know, they were, uh, they, they were hungry, and so my mom fed them, uh, gave them some money, and uh, stuff like that. But because my mom has such a good heart, she felt really bad, especially for the kids. And she said, Ibrahim, I think I want to take two kids and take care of them as my own so that I can uh, relieve the burden of uh, some of these women. And I was like, and my mom will not make any big decision without uh, my blessing. And so I was like, this is a noble thing to do. But the first thing that came to my mind is, I am worried about your safety. Now, if these kids were younger, I wouldn't be worried. But my mom is 
too old to take care of uh, younger kids. And so these kids, I think they were probably uh, between the ages of uh, the kids that she wanted to take in uh, 15 and 17. And so because I had no idea how to vet these kids, I was like, I am worried about your safety and you are the only one at home, right? And so my heart was with my mom, which is a noble thing. I'm worried about the security of my mom because my mom is the only parent I have and I love her so much and I want the best for her. But even though my heart was on my mom, it was the wrong thinking because I was forgetting about these kids who needed my mom's love, who needed shelter and provision, and just a future that we could have provided for them. So anyway, no decision has been made, but after reading this passage this morning, and as I was preparing for the sermon, my heart was convicted because my heart was on the wrong thing. I was thinking about the wrong thing. My heart was with my mom, and not with what God wants us to do as believers, no matter how painful or insecure it is. And so in verse 19, Jesus gives a very important warning. And the warning is, do not lay treasures on earth. Do not lay treasures on earth. And as people, as human beings, we are naturally things-oriented. That's just who we are. We seek, we acquire, we enjoy, we pursue material possessions. And this was very common in Jesus' time, especially from the religious leaders. The religious leaders were preoccupied with things. They were materialistic, greedy, selfish, manipulative. And Jesus says this about the religious leaders. They were lovers of money. But not only that, they didn't have the right view of themselves, their relationship with God, of the word of God, and of their religious duties. Their hearts was focused on the material things. Their hearts were focused on earthly things. And I, when I, when I was uh, reading what Jesus was saying about the religious leader, I started thinking of uh, prosperity uh, gospel preachers, Right? And the last one, I don't remember his name, but uh, he was a pastor who wanted his church to get him a new jet because the 10 other jets he had were too slow, and he needed the fastest one and the newest model so that he can travel around and spread in the gospel uh, with people. Now, sharing the gospel with people is noble, but do you really need the latest jet to, to do that? No. And so even in our own day, we have religious leaders who still do that. But it's not just them. Jesus' warning is not just for the religious leaders. It's for all of us. And then what does it mean to lay treasures on earth? And so if you read the Greek translation, to lay treasures literally means do not treasure up treasures. Do not treasure up treasures. And so this translation carries the connotation of stacking or laying horizontally. Like when we lay, when we stock our coins, that is what the Greek context is talking about. And in the context of this passage, the idea is stockpiling, it's hoarding. 
and therefore pictures wealth that is not used. And so when Jesus is talking about do not lay treasure, he's talking about wealth that we just hoard and we do not use. The money is simply stored for, stock, for uh, safekeeping and used selfishly. But instead of storing treasures on earth where things are temporal, where they will be destroyed, Jesus said, he says, store up your treasures in heaven where they will be eternal. And that was what uh, Daniel's sermon was about uh, last week. And then Jesus transitions to a hard issue. In verse 21, he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The point Jesus is making is that a person most cherished and deepest motives and desires are inseparable. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your treasure and your heart will either be eternal or heavily. The treasures of your heart will either be eternal or heavily. It is impossible to have one on earth and one in heaven. That is what Jesus is saying. We follow and worship the desires of our heart. As I was reading this, I was thinking of Manchester United. I'm a huge Man U fan, and I treasure Manchester. I, I sacrifice my sleep to wake up at 4.30 in the morning to watch them play because I treasure following Manchester United. But if you're an English uh, fan from Manchester, sometimes when I'm watching the games, they'll actually have Manchester is our religion. And for most... Uh, European fans, really, football is their religion. That is the one thing they cherish. So I'm not to that level yet, and I hope I will never be, but that's my little confession, right? Your heart follows what you cherish. If you care about your finances, your retirement, I'm sure you're following the stock market and what the economy is doing, right? Because your heart follows what you treasure. We keep up with the things we care about the most because those things shape who we are and how we live. Jesus illustrates this point with the story in Matthew chapter 26. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 to 3. Matthew chapter 26, verses uh, 6. Yeah, starting in verse 6. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were very indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why, I, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume 
on my body. She did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done also will be told in memory of her. So what's happening in this story? Jesus is hanging out in a home that he was probably invited with, and this woman, who Matthew doesn't tell us who she is, she comes over with expensive perfume, and she pours on Jesus. And this, is, this happened right before Jesus was about to go on the cross to be killed. And so she pours this expensive perfume to Jesus as a display of her love and devotion to him. But what do the disciples do? They criticized her. This is expensive perfume. We can sell it and use that money and give it to the poor. Now you might be thinking, that is noble thinking, right? They're putting their hearts on something that is heavily. The cool thing about the gospel is that while Matthew is missing some information about this story, John doesn't because John gives us a full detail of what really happened and who was criticizing the woman and what was in his heart. And so in John chapter 12, John chapter 12, starting from verse 4 uh, to 6. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why hasn't this perfume been sold and the money given to the poor? It was, a, uh, it was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Right? And so John really didn't like uh, Judas. So he's like, I'm going to tell what's really is going on here, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so Judas didn't care about the poor because as the treasurer, the money all went to him. And so he was just worried about money that should have been in his pocket, but this woman was wasting. And so while this woman did this noble thing, here he was thinking earthly things. More money in his pocket. And what does Jesus do? Jesus defends the woman as someone who did good work for him. Because any good work we do for Christ, we are setting our hearts on things that are eternal. We are setting our hearts on things that are heavenly. And let me make this important point. Jesus is not against sickly Seeking earthly treasures. Let me say this again. Jesus is not against seeking earthly treasure. You can read the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is, they, they, they are not against us seeking earthly treasure. Because it is right to provide for your family. Because if you don't provide for your family, Paul says that you are worse than an unbeliever. And you can find this in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. You are worse than an unbeliever. If you don't work, Paul says, don't eat. You don't deserve to eat, right? And so we need earthly treasures to take care of our families. 
And it is right to work hard to earn a living and to make wise investment for the future. But what is not right is Jesus' warning. Jesus says, do not lay for yourselves. Right? The key word is yourselves. That is what is not right. When we accumulate wealth simply for our own sakes, whether to hoard or to spend lavishly and selfishly, those possessions become our idols. And that is sin. That is the warning. It's how are you using the money that you have been blessed with? Are you enriching others? Or are you blessing yourself? Are you hoarding and just stacking it so that you can have more than anyone else? Or are you using that money for the kingdom of God to bless the poor? The person... And so how can you make sure that your heart is focused on heavenly things? How can you make sure that your treasures are stored in heaven and not here on earth? As always, the heart must be in the right place. If your heart is not in the right place, you cannot do anything right. Because if the heart is in the right place, everything in life falls into its proper place. The person who is right with the Lord seeks the kingdom of God and stores his treasures in heaven. The person who is right with the Lord seeks the kingdom of God and stores up his treasure in heaven. The person whose heart is with the Lord uses his resources, his time, to bless the people around them, especially the poor amongst us. Jesus said, you always have the poor. And we have been blessed so that we can be a blessing to the poor. And so our possessions are not for us to keep. It is for us to bless. And when we bless, we store up treasures in heaven. And so how can we make sure that our hearts are right with the Lord? And so in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 10, Paul writes this. Colossians chapter 3, from verse 1 to 10. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earth. For he died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of this, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in this, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as this, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practice and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image 
of its creation. We have been renewed through what Christ did on the cross for us. And so to set our mind on heavenly things, we are to live and forsake the old that was buried when Christ died and to put on the new, the new that was given to us as a gift, the new that Jesus had to pay for us on the cross so that we can be made new again. And so our heart has to always be set on Christ. And when we do that, everything else will fall in its proper place. And so every Sunday, one way that we renew our heart, one way that we make sure our heart is in its proper place is we take communion. And by taking communion, we remember what was done on the cross for our sins. We take communion to remember that we were bought at a price. We take communion to remember that Jesus died for our sins so that one day we can go to heaven and enjoy the treasures that we have laid dear through the good works that we do on earth with what has been given to us. And so as you take communion this morning, Ask yourself this morning, where is your heart is? Is your heart on earthly things? Is it on heavenly things? What are things that are most important to you? Are those things earthly? And if they are, confess and ask God to give you his Holy Spirit so that he can redirect your heart to pursue what is the most important And so the night before Jesus was about to go on the cross, he gathered with his disciples, he washed their feet, and then took bread and broke it and blessed it and said, this is my body that will be broken for you. And so when you eat this, remember my body. And in the same way, he took a glass of wine and blessed it and said, this is my blood that I will share on the cross for you. And when you drink this, remember that you are bought at a price. Remember that you are loved so much that Jesus was willing to go on the cross to suffer what we should have suffered. He took that all on himself. And so pray with me as we get ready to eat communion this morning. Jesus, thank you for your many blessings uh, towards us. Thank you for providing for our needs. And thank you for even giving us more than, that, more than we need or deserve. And we just pray that with what you have blessed us with, may we be a blessing to those around us, especially the poor amongst us. May our heart be in tune with you. May we seek you in all that we do, and we pray that you will direct us to follow you and to follow the things that you desire. Thank you for this, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And also, if you need prayers uh, for anything, Joe and Rachel Berg will be out there. They'll be happy to pray for you. And so please take... uh,
Use that opportunity if you want to be prayed for.